Hey guys, and thanks for checking out this episode of the John Campia Show podcast, the audio-only version of the John Campia Show on YouTube. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, August the 5th, 2020, titled Mulan Opening on Disney Plus with Extra $30 Price Tag. We're glad that you're joining us, guys. And remember, if you're listening to this podcast, you can also submit a topic or question for the live questions part of the show by simply using the tip link in the description of this podcast. That's streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question or comment on the show and you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And for now, let's get to the episode. With that down, let's get into our main single topic today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campia Show? Normally, we have like three to five of them. How do we select them? Well, it's easy. You guys come up with them by going anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into that topic, shall we? And mm. our main topic today gets sent in to us by Aria, who writes, Hey, John and crew. Well, it is now official. Mulan will now release on Disney Plus for $29.99, this is $30, on September 4th. Now that this is what Disney is doing, is it possible... We might see the same pattern uh, to Black Widow. Thanks and keep up the good work. All right. Thanks a lot for sending in the question, man. And yeah, this is this is the tsunami. This is the earth shattering cataclysmic event that whistled across the Internet yesterday as Bob Chapek, the new CEO of Disney, uh, did a, 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 um, a stockholders call and basically affirmed this move. And what they're doing now before we get into a lot of the details and, and, and splitting down the details let's go over what the main gist of what's going on here is first and foremost mulan is going to come to disney plus disney plus not any vod service it's coming to disney plus on september 4th main point number two being a disney plus subscriber is not enough to watch it you must be a disney plus subscriber and you must pay a premium $30 one-time fee. Well, why wouldn't we wait for three months just to have it on Disney Plus for free, you might ask? That's a good question, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. So you need to be a Disney Plus subscriber. You need to pay a premium fee of $30. This part we're going to have some discussion about. This is a one-time thing. Now, according to Variety, Bob Chapek made it clear in that call that this was only for Mulan and not for anything else, nor was it to be testing anything else out. This is what it says. Chapek, the new CEO of Disney, was quick to emphasize on the call with analysts that the Mulan release on Disney Plus is a one-time event. We're looking at Mulan as a one-off, as opposed to saying there's some new business windowing model that we're looking at, he said. That's what the CEO of, of uh, Disney said. He said, this is not a new thing we're trying. This is not anything. This is a one-time thing. We're doing it for Mulan. Do we believe him? Well, we'll talk about that, <laughs> whether we believe him or not, in just a little bit as well. One of the other key elements here, and, and this will be important, is that Mulan will still play in some theaters in regions where Disney Plus is not available. 
So it will still play in some regions that A, have open movie theaters, and B, that region does not have Disney+. Plus. In those areas, you'll still be able to uh, get on and and sign up and, and go watch it in a movie theater if you so choose. One of the really interesting things about this, Rob, we've been saying this for a couple of months now, is that what would have been, and you guys have heard us say this a thousand times, what would have been considered impossible a few months ago in the current environment that we're in, this unprecedented environment that has no playbook, there is no playbook right now. Everybody is kind of making it up as they go along, trying to figure out how to exist in this sort of reality, which we have never had before, not in a situation like this, not facing the movie industry, not facing the entertainment industry or anything like that. And as we said a lot many times, what maybe would have been considered impossible a few months ago suddenly didn't seem all that impossible. Suddenly things that five months ago, hell, two months ago, would have been considered absolutely unthinkable becomes thinkable as our current context and the dilemma we're in evolves and changes, sometimes worsens day by day, let alone week by week, let alone month by month. And so, you know, Disney putting something like a Mulan out on VOD five months ago, hell, two months ago would have been considered absolutely impossible. Then again, a lot of us thought we were already going to be back in movie theaters by July. You got to February, March. A lot of us, including me, thought we by July we'll be back to normal. But we're not. It keeps stretching. And right now there's no end in sight. So things that were considered impossible, not really impossible. You know, I never would have agreed with a major film going to streaming, but by the time Bill and Ted came around and went to, remember, it was about four or five days before it got announced, Rob, you and I were talking about Bill and Ted. And I said, you know what? Bill and Ted seems to be the type of movie you can put to streaming because of this, this, and this. And like four or five days later, they announced Bill and Ted's coming to streaming. But like a couple of months ago, I never would have said that. I right. never would have said that a few months ago. No way in hell I ever would have said that. Me neither. Here's the other thing that was interesting, Rob. You might remember it was about maybe eight weeks ago. One of our own viewers wrote in and asked. They asked, hey, John, well, do you think maybe, do you think maybe that like but they were asking about Black Widow? Do you think maybe Disney, what they could do with Black Widow is put it on Disney Plus, but charge an extra fee? And I said, eight weeks ago, I said, no way. No way, not because it's not, there's no validity to it from a business point of view, but rather Disney Plus subscribers would revolt. <laughs> I mean, you're getting us to pay for a monthly service fee and on top of that, so we're paying a monthly service fee for the privilege of paying more for a movie that we should be getting anyway. And I said, no way, just eight weeks ago, Rob, I said, no way Disney would do that. But every day that passes in this pandemic, we face new possibilities, we face new problems and new hurdles, new challenges. And again, these, these studios have no playbook. Now, I spoke to a rep from NATO, the, uh, the National Association of Theater Owners, as opposed to the Military Alliance, 
who did confirm that Disney had actually communicated with their theatrical partners weeks ago about this. Wow. And they were in consultation with the theatrical partners. So they, the theatrical partners, the movie theaters, they were in the loop on this decision. This didn't blindside them like what Universal did with Trolls World Tour. So they did keep them in mind. So it, it brings us into this interesting situation, Rob. But it, it does bring up some interesting questions. Number one, the first thing that I've, I've got to wonder is, can they make money doing this? Can they make money doing this? Because what a lot of people think about is they think it's an either or. They think you either do theatrical or you do home. Really, the current model right now is a both and situation. So, you know, right now, you know, a movie a movie hits hits the theaters and they make big money with it being in theaters. And then a couple of months later, then it goes to VOD, uh, rental, um, uh, subscription services like uh, Disney Plus, uh, whatever it is. And then they make money there as well. So it's always been a both and. It's never been an either or. It's always been a both and. So what Disney is looking at doing here is taking this movie theaters part of the revenue and trying to replace it, trying to supplement it, trying to compensate for the fact that we can't put it out in theaters right now. Okay, let's do premium VOD on Disney Plus with, in addition to, a $30 price tag. And then in a few months, it'll go to regular rental and then it'll be on Disney Plus regular thing for everybody anyway. Here's where it gets interesting to me. In asking, can they compensate for that theatrical money? We got to look at a couple things. At a 30, right now, I think the best estimates I've heard is that Disney needs to make about 300 million just to break even. Now, this isn't talking in theatrical language. This is talking about even if it's VOD on their own streaming service, they need to raise about $300 million just to break even on it. Because they're but not Rob, splitting revenue with theaters. Exactly, because they're not splitting any revenue with theaters. You don't have to do that 1.5 multiplier, right? So right. they need to make about $300 million to break even. But Rob, as you and I have talked about ad nauseum, especially in 2019, you can't just look at, well, what do they need to do to break even? You're looking at how much money are they going to be potentially losing from what they could have potentially made in a theatrical release. Coming out of 2019, Disney films were making billion dollars like it was going out of style. It seemed like every Disney film that was coming out was making a billion dollars. So let's not look at, so besides the $300 million breaking even point, you also got to look at its potential. So let's say not a billion dollars, but let's say Mulan, let's go a little bit lower just for the sake of argument. Let's say that Mulan had a potential of making 800 million in the box office. And that's after the 1.5 multiplier. That's after the theatrical cut and everything. This is a movie that had the potential to be 800 million. Being, you know, a recognizable IP that it's been around for forever. It's, a, you know, the big production values, the trailers have looked for fantastic. It wasn't going to be a $2 billion movie, but it had the potential of being like an 800 million plus dollar movie. So there's two different realities here. Let's look at reality number one for a second of, of it just breaking even at $30 per rental. You're looking at needing to get 10 million people to get it. Now, there are currently 60 million subscribers to Disney Plus. So you they are hoping to break even 
on getting rid of the theatrical run to break even, they're hoping they can get one out of every six Disney Disney Plus subscribers to purchase a $30 thing, something that they're going to get for free on Disney Plus in a couple of months anyway, but they're hoping that 10 million people will buy this thing to get it to that $300 million breaking even mark. It's 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 conceivable. I think it's going to be hard to get those types of numbers. I'm not convinced they can get those types of numbers, but it is conceivable. Where it becomes more difficult is once you get into the $800 million range. Now you're needing somewhere between 25 to 30 million people to sign up to get into that eight to $900 million range. So maybe you break even at 300, but you're missing out on like the five, six, $700 million potentially you would have gotten from a theatrical release. In order to get to those numbers, you're looking at 25 to 30. You're talking now about roughly one out of every two people who have Disney plus to sign up and get, um, and get, uh, by pay the $30 premium charge for this huge asterisks here though, Rob, and that huge asterisk is they can't put it in movie theaters right now. There ain't no movie theaters for it to go in. So it is, again, it goes back to this. We are in unprecedented times where people are trying to figure out what to do. Mulan has already had three release dates. It's already had three release dates. Might actually be four. Let's go with three. It's already had three release dates. How long do they sit on this movie? that they started advertising and putting trailers out for five months ago. How long do they sit and wait? So it becomes a balancing act. And there's no template out there that says, oh, if we wait longer, we'll make money. Well, there is no example of that before because we've never been in a situation like this before. There's no example of it before. Oh, if we put it on VOD, then we'll make money. Well, there's no example of that either. We've never been in this situation. So Disney right now is trying to figure out a way to how to navigate this. Clearly, the smarter thing mathematically is to put it theatrically. However, it's not so clear because theaters aren't open and they don't even know how long they have to wait right now. Now, one of the other things, Rob, that I think everybody is overlooking. One of the other interesting things here right now is that Bob Chapek also said this. <clears throat> and this is where I think it gets a little bit silly. But Bob Chapek, in addressing this whole situation, talking about putting on Disney Plus, Chapek also said, we think this would be a great incentive to get people to sign up for Disney Plus. He said the following. This is also out of the Variety article. Bob Chapek also said that the premier access window created on Disney Plus for Mulan acts as a fairly large stimulus for new consumers to sign up for the streaming service. I don't think that makes much sense. I, I don't think he's correct there. Now, again, with, with the grander idea of putting it out on VOD right now for $30, uh, there's no playbook. I, I mean, they're trying to figure it out. I don't know if there's a clearly defined right or wrong answer to that. This one, I don't think makes sense. Because if there's people out there who have not already signed up for Disney+, Plus. Are they going to sign up for Disney Plus because Mulan is there for us to pay an extra $30 for? I don't know that that's true. Now, some people might want to point to Alexander Hamilton. You know, they might say, oh, look, look at all the people that signed up for Disney Plus because of Hamilton. Woo! And, and it was significant. The difference is people signed up for Hamilton because they didn't have to pay an extra charge. 
people who were on the fence about signing up for Disney Plus went, oh, I just signed up for Disney Plus as normal and I get to watch Hamilton, this thing that everybody's been talking about for the last three years. I get to watch that. Awesome. No extra charge free. You can't compare that to this situation. You, you can't compare the Hamilton situation where, where it's sign up and watch Hamilton with a Mulan situation where it's sign up, pay another $30 and watch Mulan, something you'd be able to watch on Disney Plus in about three months for anyway for free. As a matter of fact, I decided to make that the topic of today's question of the day. Now, just before the show started, uh, I jumped on our community tab on the YouTube channel. This was this was less than an hour ago. I put this up and already twenty four hundred, almost twenty five hundred of you guys have responded. Here's the question that I asked. I simply asked if you're not or weren't already a subscriber of Disney Plus, would you be motivated to sign up for Mulan with the extra $30 price tag. Uh, join us as we talk about it. Almost 2,500 of you guys have voted already, and the response is overwhelming. 87% of you guys are saying no. No, we would not. If, if, we, if we aren't already signed up for Disney+, Plus, and if we, or if we weren't already signed up for Disney+, Plus, no. Mulan being on there for an extra $30 charge is not going to motivate us to sign up for Disney+. Plus. So I, I don't know if what Bob Chapek is saying in that regard, Rob, makes a lot of sense. But Rob, the, what the repercussions of this could be are massive. Because while I don't believe, I, I think it's going to be, just bringing up this little thing again, I think it's going to be a challenge to get 10 million people, one out of every six people subscribed to Disney Plus, to pay the $30 right now on top of their subscription service just to break even, I think that's not unreachable. I just think it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. And they can overcome that challenge. I don't know if them getting 25 to 30 million people to sign up for this deal to reach that eight, nine, potentially billion dollar, uh, billion dollars at the box office that a Mulan could theoretically reach would be there. But then how long do you have to wait? How long do you have to wait to get it in theaters? So that part's a big question mark. But Rob, if, and I don't think it's likely, I think it's highly unlikely, but if 30 million people sign up to get Mulan at $30 a pop, 30 million households get it at $30 a pop, and this thing brings in $900, a billion, $800 million in revenue? I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's pre pretty clear that that's not going to happen. But if it did, it fundamentally changes the landscape of everything. Got a lot more to say about this. But Rob, I know you and I were speaking before the show started. You were really amped to talk about this. Mm. Uh, how much i mean it's clearly not as much as a surprise today as it would have been six weeks ago but how much of a surprise was this announcement to you and and where do you see the logic in this where can it work where can it fail how are you seeing this whole thing well first of all it was a complete surprise to me however this is inevitable this has always been inevitable it was always going to happen it was just a question of who was going to do it first and when now what what first of all i wanted to address some of the things about numbers you know when you talked about the 300 break even point but 
to make your 800, 900 million. The thing is, the studios don't necessarily have to make 800, 900 million because with the SVOD model, you're still not giving away a half or or or. 40% to theaters. So yeah, but what I meant the, was to ultimately was to get to that, to, to right, ultimately sure. get to that revenue number. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but uh, so it's, it's, it, it's still SVOD is very lucrative for the studios when they make it work. But I think the big, the big problem here is that people aren't, they don't know what this business model is. When they announced this, a lot of people were put off. I saw in my social media feeds that people are like, what? I'm already, why would I, I already signed up for Disney plus. Why would I pay extra? And they didn't do a good job. They, they, what they needed was a marketing campaign that, that let the public understand why this is happening and how it works. Because most people are like, wait a minute, I already belong to Disney Plus. Why would I pay an extra premium? People don't understand why. They, they don't get the idea of what's behind this because when stuff like Hamilton goes on Disney Plus, they didn't have to pay extra for that. So what's the difference between – Hamilton and Mulan. People just don't know. So I think that there's going to be a lot of initial pushback for this, especially because it's Mulan. I think they would have been smarter to do this with Black Widow because I think they would have had more people be like, take my money. But that's just me. But one of the things that I think um, they should have done is they should have said, look, when you pay the 30 bucks, if you're a new subscriber, you get six months of Disney Plus for free. But you have to agree for a year to sign up. So you're going to get your you're going to get that thirty dollars doesn't just pay for Mulan. It also gives you six months of Disney Plus and but you have to pay for another six months after that or something because you have to give people more of an incentive. I mean, 30 bucks is a one time. Most people, I think, who want to see Mulan, Mulan and aren't Disney Plus subscribers, they're going to go in and watch Mulan and then not subscribe. But if your 30 bucks went towards a subscription, you know, they could count those as new subscribers and they know that they're going to keep those subscribers safe for another six months because you have to agree to pay another $30, $6 a, a, a month for another another six months beyond that 30 bucks that you already paid because people just don't know. I mean, if they went to NATO, did, are they promising a, a, a slice of this pie are going to go back to theater owners? I mean, they haven't said anything about that, but if they went to NATO, I bet NATO would have been very like other SVOD models, like the AMC model um, that universal is talking about. Universal will kick back some of their money to AMC. So did Disney make that kind of a deal? We don't know. I haven't read that. There's no reason for me to suspect that because Chapek didn't say it. And I think a lot of people have to understand they announced yesterday on their third quarter earnings call that they've lost three and a half billion dollars yep. because of this pandemic. That's what they were telling the shareholders. And in, 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 in order to stop or curtail a panic, they had to offer them something good. And the one thing that has been consistently working for them is Disney Plus. Right now, that is their functioning crown jewel. So anything that can can bolster that is a good thing. I mean, that's that's their way in for their investors. And I just think that the, the, the general public, we inevitably are going to go to this model at some point post-pandemic, whenever. We were eventually going to go to this kind of an SVOD model in conjunction with movie theaters or something. It was it was an inevitability. Maybe it wasn't going to happen this year. Maybe it was going to happen three years from now or five years from now because that's what the studios ultimately want. I do think that the exhibition business, aside from 
large venues that are going to play tentpole properties, I think the exhibition business is on its way out. I mean, again, maybe not now, but five years from now, 10 years from now, yes. But the thing is right now, this is new, so the public doesn't know. And there's a lot of initial pushback from people that are just saying, well, why should I pay for this? They don't understand the difference. The general public doesn't understand the difference. We do because we're in the movie pundit space and we study the industry. But the general public doesn't know. They don't know the difference between a Hamilton and a Mulan. It's like, you know, the, the Joe Popcorn out there is not following movie release date schedules. They look at trailers. They see TV commercials during sporting events. And they're like, oh, honey, Mulan's opening. Why don't we take the kids? You know, they're not following movies that are going to come out six months from now. Most people don't, don't you know, they, they see what's coming. They go see it uh, if it strikes their fancy. So the gen- general public does not understand. They don't get what's happening here. And Disney is not doing a good job. I mean, they're doing this in less than a, well, in a month from now, you know, Labor Day weekend. And, and I, I, I don't see it. I think it's going to underperform uh, according to their expectations right now because the general public doesn't know what's up. And you're going to get – look at that poll that you put up. There's a lot of pushback because people just are like, I don't get it. Why should I pay? What, what, I'm paying a premium for what? What am I paying a premium for? Why am I paying a premium? Isn't it going to be on Disney Plus anyway? How do you get – if I were to say this to my mom, hey, mom, uh, let's pay 30 bucks. My mom would be like, you want me to pay 30 bucks? I've already got Disney Plus. Please explain to me why. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. I can't tell her about exhibition and movie theaters. and She would not get it. And I don't think most people get it. And they're not educating anybody. They're going to throw it out there and they're going to expect this is not a Pacquiao Mayweather fight. You know, <laughs> they, people Here, just don't know. Here's the big challenge that, that they're going to face. And this is what I think a, a lot of people miss out on is the fact that, look, there already is home video presentation of it. it. It comes a little bit later, but there's cheap rentals. There's the streaming services. That's all there already. Mm-hmm. The problem is what the studio's need to do and let me let me bring this up again for a second what the studios need to be able to do is they have to be able to can just skipping to that second part of all the vod can that make up i mean maybe i spelt it right can it make up for lost theater revenue that's the question they're asking right now because they're getting the rental later they're getting the film purchases later They're getting the streaming licensing fees later. They're getting all of that. Mm -hmm. But on top of that right now, they're getting money, huge money from the theatrical exhibition. So the question becomes, can bypassing, can we find a way that bypasses that theatrical part while also generating all the revenue that we are used to doing? And that becomes problematic. That becomes really problematic. And and here's where I get really worried, Rob, because this movie is not going to make... $700 $700 million in rental. It's just not. It's just not going to. It can make because a lot. It, I, I think it can break even. What were you about to say? Well, people don't need to see it. I mean, I think of yeah. all of the movies, you know, y- y- you think about like the MCU. That's a four quadrant film. That's a movie where fathers and sons and mothers and daughters will want to see that film. I mean, that's the kind of movie that people are like, oh, my God, I got to see that. Mulan does not have the must see factor that I think they think it does. Whereas if this was Black Widow, I'd be like, this might work 
But I think the problem is ultimately the only way you can do this is if you basically have something you need. You need something that's radiating like a piece of kryptonite, something that everybody is like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And I don't think Mulan is the right film. We'll see. It's going to be a really good experiment. But, you know, you and I, John, as much as we want to see Mulan, I could wait. You know, whereas Black Widow or the Eternals. Yeah, Black Widow, Black Widow can't wait. Can't count me in. But but the problem with that, though, is the potential with you when if you look at Mulan, the potential money that you're losing out on at the theaters. Right. Like by not going theatrical. That number becomes exponentially bigger with Black Widow because you're not Black Widow. You're not talking about a movie that has the potential to make 600 or 700 million. It has the potential to make one point five, one point. I'm not saying it will make would make one point five. I'm saying it's ceiling. Its potential is the one point five, one point six, one point seven billion dollar range. And so if you experiment with Black Widow, I think you're right. You get more attention. But even if you get more attention, do you end up losing out on more money than you yeah. would with something like Mulan? I don't know. I, I, I don't well, know what the answer to that is. Well, you know, another thing is, like, if this is going to become the new normal, maybe they extend for this SVOD window. Another thing they might try again, who knows what's going to work is you say to people, this movie is not going to come to rental platforms for six months instead of three months. So it's going to be half a year before you can see Mulan and you you leave the SVOD window open that much longer. And if it's a movie like Black Widow and word of mouth travels and people are like, oh, my God, you got to see this. So and rather than having a quick open window for SVOD, it lasts a lot longer. I mean, again, it's a paradigm shift right now. They're 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 basing everything on a theatrical window of three months. And then we start the the other ancillary markets after that. But what if the ancillary markets didn't kick in for six months and the SVOD window stays open longer? I think once people get used to that idea right now, they're not used to it. They don't know. You know, it'll it'll be a a learning curve. There'll be a, a process of growth here because the other movies that have come out like King of Staten Island, it's not like they burned up the charts. You know, I think Bill and Ted will do good because who doesn't want to watch Bill and Ted? You're home stone. You're, you're going to turn on it's like 30 bucks. I no think problem. a lot fewer people are interested in Bill and Ted than people think. I really do. But but well, but, you, but to its advantage, it's a really, really inexpensive movie. Right. So so they I think they can do well on on home stream. But you're right. King of Staten Island did not do well. No, um, and it, because because people are like that looks like a movie that's going to go to Netflix. There's no mm. reason in order to make this work, you need to have you need to have like the greatest wonder of the world. You need to be like Carl Denham having King Kong to show the public a giant ape from Skull Island. I mean, you need something that's that enticing for people. And I think what they're everyone right now, they're they're scrambling. You know, even though they talk to NATO, I think if Disney was going to do this, they should have planned it. They should have announced it and given themselves three months to do this instead of a month to educate people, to, to generate excitement, to market innovative online marketing campaigns. I mean, maybe they have that ready to go. They're locked and loaded, but it's it's not a lot of time, not a lot of time. But if they had a black widow, it could have been something else. But like you said, the reason it's not black widow is because that's a billion dollar theatrical grossing film pretty much in the bag. So why would they do it? Yeah, and, and that's why here, I think this is fascinating. We this is a watershed moment for the industry. It could be a seismic shift. 
but it, it, it might not work, but it'll point, it'll, it'll, it'll start a roadmap for the future in, in terms of what they can and can't expect. But I think the only way this can work is you've got to have movies that people all are just nuts about seeing that everybody knows about. And I just don't know if Mulan is that movie. So right. it'd be interesting. Like, what do we do? And here's where part of my concern comes from, too. Part of my concern is with the reality that the home VOD market simply cannot make the kind of money that the theatrical releases do. You know, what again, what was the last year that Disney made like $11 billion at, at the it, theatrical releases? Insane money. Just on that. And then all those movies, they get then... They got to put them on Disney Plus afterwards and get more money for them. So they yeah. got 11 billion plus they got to use them later as things to attract people to Disney Plus afterwards. Here's where my fear comes in. This is this is my fear. My fear is we're going to see happen on Disney Plus, on HBO Max, on all these things. We're going to see exactly what happened on Netflix, which is this. Netflix has uh what's it called? Uh Power, power company, the Jamie Foxx, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, yeah. Uh, when that's yeah. coming. Power Station or whatever whatever it's called. I can't remember. Which that's looks coming really great. I, I think it looks interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. <laughs> Most of the times that I'm looking forward to a Netflix film, it usually disappoints me. However, this one I'm interested in. I liked Old Guard. I liked Old Guard yeah, quite too. a bit. But here's the problem. For every, uh, let, me, let me bring this up for a second. For every movie like, say, uh, when you look at Netflix, and this is how it, it compares to Disney here. For every old guard, right, you get, I don't know, Bobby's Left Nut, the movie. And you get In Her Secrets, the movie. And you get um, Eating... Bobby's <laughs> Eating with Joe, the movie. And what happens is you get... For every one old guard, you get 30 pieces of low budget, low quality crap that nobody cares about. They just produce them so they can meet their quantity nut that they're putting out all this original content, right? The problem is Netflix is $15 billion in debt and they can't afford to make 10 movies a year at the budget of an Irishman. They can't afford to put out 15 movies a year like Old Guard. So what do we get? We get a small group of these films that are worth our interest. And then about 60, 70, 80 of these other pieces of original content that absolutely none of us are interested in. My fear, Rob, is if you get, they, you get Disney Plus into this model where it's making some money, but it's not pulling in those billions every year from the theatrical model, that eventually what we start seeing on Disney Plus is a reflection of that, where instead of 10 high profile Disney project films coming out per year, because Disney knows they can count on anywhere between seven to $10 billion in revenue from it. What I'm afraid of is that we're going to see Disney then reverts to a new model where it's like maybe three movies per year that all of us get excited about and that will and then they fill up because what's happening right now on disney plus if you think john that can never happen what's happening on disney plus right now i'll tell you what rob since i've signed up for disney plus i've basically spent about 70 dollars on disney plus since it's opened and i've been paying my membership fees right you know what i've gotten for that i've got mandalorian and i got hamilton that's all i got 
for se- for the seventy dollars that I have put up so far in being a Disney Plus member, that's what I've got. Aside from that, it's been pieces of crap content after pieces of crap content after pieces of crap content. I'm not watching Wood Shop. I'm not watching Be Our Guest. I'm not watching all these other tons and tons of low budget, low quality, low anticipation. I'm not saying I shouldn't say they're all low quality. They all have their charm. But of these, they're they're filling their network. They're low budget. The ones that nobody really cares about content. And what I'm really afraid of, and I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just saying when I see what's happening on Disney already, I see what's happened on Netflix. My fear is if that theatrical model goes away and theaters and studios suddenly realize, well, we can't count on that, you know, five to $12 billion of revenue a year just from that thing before going here, we need to readjust how we do things. So we'll put out three or four big things a year. And then a whole bunch follow that Netflix thing of that. Rob, what would you say would maybe be some safeguards that would prevent something like that from happening? Like, can you think off the top of your head, like some things that might say, hey, yeah, we may be worried about that, but here's what might ensure that that doesn't happen, that we will continue to get like high budget, high profile, blockbuster type of entertainment and to the quantity that we've been used to. Is, is there something you can think of that would kind of ensure that that would still stay in place? I mean, Unless it has something to do with already established franchises of some like, look, you know, the Mandalorian did really well for Disney Plus. I think if you were to do a Star Wars movie and you put it on Disney Plus, that would assure people going, obviously. Um, uh, But like with the Netflix, you know, they have an old guard. The old guard looked cool. I mean, the trailers were good. It looked like with Charlie's Theron in the movie, it looked it looked legit to me. Like I watched it as a as a legitimate like I'm like, OK, this is a movie I would have gone to see in the theater, you know, because it has her in it. They're going to have to do. I mean, again, honestly, John, I don't know if they can do that because they're do, if Charlie's Theron is in a, a, a movie like the old guard and it's now I still think. Well, okay, Chris Hemsworth is in Extraction. That was all right. But but even movie stars, in my mind, if something doesn't go theatrical and goes direct to Netflix, we're still in a world where we doubt if Netflix movies are going to be good. You know, it's it's there hasn't been enough. We haven't had a level of quality where Netflix has constantly delivered the thrills of a Infinity War or an Endgame. And and. Until they do that, I you know I read that article yesterday about how Netflix is looking for a new. They want their own tentpole like a Star Wars or like a Harry Potter. That's what they're looking for. Well, Amazon could potentially have that with Lord of the Rings, but that's a show. I mean, that's a series. But in terms of movies, I don't know what they can do because right now, again, we don't live in a world yet where they're creating movies that deliver the bang. That say an MCU movie delivers, and they haven't done that yet. And are they going to be able to? I mean, can they ever? The thing about movie studios is they're in the business of delivering theatrical entertainments, so that's what they're shooting for. They're shooting for movies that are are going to go into movie theaters. Well, when you're making a Netflix show, they've got ten thousand different pieces of programming dropping. How do you convince Netflix, or how do you create? Are they even able? To deliver something that is theatrical caliber that people want to go see that's that interesting. Um, You know, maybe like if Netflix bought 
the Harry Potter books, if they got a hold of something like that and said, we're going to make the Harry Potter franchise as movies, then people would be like, wow, okay. But that was because Harry Potter was already established and it was already a phenomenon. Mm. So unless you've got that, how do you convince people that you're it's 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 still a direct to Netflix movie? And, you know, as well as I do, we think, well, I hope it's good. There's been less <sighs> less good Netflix original movies than there have been good Netflix original movies. So until they have a track record that they can create the same kind of excitement we have for a new MCU movie, which I don't know how they do that. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but here, but it comes down to this. It, it it harkens back again to what we were saying before about the fact that four months ago, this would have been considered impossible. Yes. Two months ago, I would have said this is a really stupid move. But the reality is, is as every day that passes and we're in this new scenario, we're in August and we still don't know for sure when the theaters are even going to open. So I've got a lot of concerns. Yeah, I've got a lot of concerns about this Disney move. I, I really do. But at the same time, I two months ago, easy, stupid move, Disney. Chapek, you're a moron. Blah, blah, blah. Today, I don't know if it's a stupid move or not. Uh, this might be the right move because, yeah, yeah, I don't think they can make nearly the amount of money it could have made in theaters. I don't think it blah, 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 but there's no theaters for it to play in. We don't know yeah. when it's going to come out. It's had three release dates already. At what point do you say, listen, because it's not just that, Rob, it's the other movies they have. At what point do you, Disney, say, listen, we're already creating a log jam in 2021 with all of the movies we're pushing. At some point, we can't just dump off the Artemis Fowl garbage that, that nobody wanted to see. We can't, at some point, we can't just throw overboard these little things. At some point, something bigger's got to give. And maybe that's Mulan. And then who knows, maybe on... October 1st, we're talking about how Mulan did 23 million sales at $30 a pop, and it became really profitable. Or it's a fart in the wind. They generated 8 yeah. million sales, and they didn't even break even on the movie. I, I mean, I don't know, but right now, Rob, unlike any other time, I can't sit here and say this is a bad move. It might be a very bad move. It, it, it could be exactly what they needed to do in these unprecedented times and i just don't know anymore and the tomorrow's going to look even more different well I, I think you're right but i think it's something like you just said they had to do mm. you know they're they're in a position now somebody was going to do this universal did it with trolls world tour you know but that was trolls world tour is not a four quadrant movie that's a straight up family movie now, what's really going to be interesting to me, and I, I see Mulan while it appeals to me and I really want to see Mulan, I don't see Mulan necessarily as a four-quadrant film either unless it's really, really good. But what Disney should should have been doing is before they JPEG announced this, and I know they had to announce it because of the third quarter earnings call. I get that. Disney can't go, yeah, we're going to lose $3.5 billion, investors. And what they're trying to do is lessen the blow of that information that everybody was wondering about. There's who knows when the parks are going to open at full capacity, if ever. Like, when's Disneyland opening? Uh, we don't know. And it's not like Disney World's opening has been perfect. So they had to do something. And this is this is what they're doing. It's innovative. It's interesting. And maybe like if they come out in the next couple of weeks and target families 
you know, the easy way to do it is to go for a family of four. How would it how much would it cost you to take a family of four to see Mulan? Well, guess what? For only thirty dollars and and you don't have to park, you don't have to drive, you don't have to buy popcorn at inflated prices at the movie theater. You can watch Mulan at home. You know, they've got to do something like that and attract people that and, and families are already on families are the very people that are already on Disney Plus. And they're the people you're, you're now going to have to convince your subscription base, which is already families, why they should cough up another 30 bucks. They already subscribed to Disney Plus because it was $6. What a value for a family. You know, if you've got lots of kids, six bucks a month or whatever for Disney Plus is great. Now you're asking those same people that signed up for your subscription service because it's such a bargain for families to pay this $30 premium, which is half. That's a year. That's half a year's worth of Disney Plus in a day. Yeah. And if you're already you could frugal, just wait a few more months and get it for free yeah. on Disney Plus anyway. And unless they need to educate people, they need to explain why we're doing this and and how this is going to be the new norm. And and I could see because the problem is John, they can't release a movie theatrically unless enough movie theaters are open at certain capacities, they can't do it because then it's there. It's also, they're losing money. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the economic reality is unless a movie like black widow can open theatrically and make a billion dollars where they're revenue sharing with theaters, they can't make the profit. I mean, I don't know at 50% capacity if a world, if, if every movie theater was open right now, but it was at half capacity that means half the people are going to those shows. They still can't necessarily make nearly the kind of money they would if theaters were completely open. So we're in a we're in a position where even theatrical releases now are iffy. Even if every single movie theater was open, we still have social distancing. So you get half of what you'd normally get. And depending on how many other movies were out there, because if you right, had right, but 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 you're right under regular circumstances. If other movies are playing, but and that comes back to that thing. Now, I was having a conversation with somebody you and I both know who has kids, uh, and we were talking about this last night. And it's like, here's here's the deal, like my friend was saying, and I was talking about this in the live chat with some people earlier too. My friend said, here's the deal, like I could, you know, me and my two kids and and my wife, we can go to the theater. It's going to cost us probably about 65, 70 bucks to go and watch Mulan with the kids out. Or I can watch it for 30 bucks at home. So about $40 cheaper. He said, but here's the thing. When I'm, if I go to the theater, I'm making an outing with my family. We're going out together. We're making it an event for the family. We're going to the movie theaters. We're creating memories. We're doing all this kind of stuff. And we're getting the kids out of the house. He goes, or for 30 bucks plus my Disney plus subscription, I get to do what I do every day, have my kids sit on the couch and we just stay at home on our screen. But then somebody else brought up to me, true, but what movie theater are you going to take them to to make those memories? None right now. <laughs> so it's right. like, it's it's this constant battle, right? There's, there's a point and counterpoint right now for everything. And it's going to be interesting to see. Guys, listen, I'm sure a lot of you uh, are, are asking about this in the live questions part. So we're going to go on and get to that. This is literally something we could talk all day about. And the potential ramifications are huge. This movie by this move by Disney could end up being literally a fart in the wind that comes and goes. And it's not Black Widow they're doing it with. They're do, doing it with Milan. So maybe it won't be that big of an issue. Or what happens if 30 million people sign up for this at $30 a pop? 
does it fundamentally change the landscape of everything? What if 20 million more people sign up to Disney Plus just for this? Although, once again, going back over to our to our poll that we put up, uh, another uh, I know about another thousand of you guys have voted since we talked about it last. We're now at about almost 3,400 votes still sitting at no 87% of you saying, no, you wouldn't sign up for Disney plus for Mulan for an extra $30 charge. But what if, what, what if it gets 20 million new subscribers and 30 million people sign? it's an interesting question, guys. I want to know what you guys think about this whole situation. There are so many different angles and facets and things to look at. And the situation changes day by day. What was impossible a few weeks ago is very possible today. What is impossible today may become very possible in two weeks from now. What do you guys say? We're living in interesting times. What do you guys think about this? Jump down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. That's the reason we only had one topic today. That is the reason we only had one topic today. So let's now move on and start taking your guys' live questions. Uh, once again, if you guys want to send in a live question or comment for the show, you can use the tip link in the description of this video or simply use streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip and uh, you'll be getting your comment or question on if it's reasonable and you're going to be supporting the channel at the same time. So let's move over here and start getting to these. First up comes us from Dan Ketchum who writes, the CW superhero posters, am I in the right spot by the way? Um... No, I'm not. There we go. Phoenix Arising writes. This is the first one we should be at. Uh, hey, John, regarding the Netflix speed up thing, really no one has the right to complain about this. Uh, isn't everybody who's ever bought and or watched a VHS, DVD or Blu-ray not watching it as it was intended on the big screen? May the filthy be with you. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday about how about that Netflix is now implementing the ability for people who watch Netflix to play it at a faster speed or a little bit of a slower speed. I personally don't think many people are going to use this. I know I'm not going to use this, but yeah, you're right. I mean, every, there's always been lots of ways that people can watch it in differing ways than it was intended originally anyway. But I think at the end of the day, it's this is going to be much ado about nothing because I don't think many people are actually going to watch. No movie fan is going to watch a movie at 1.5 speed. I, I Unless it's a movie they've seen four or five times already and they're just trying to get through it. I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Dan Ketchum writes, the CW superhero posters promoting mask wearing are great, but an added bonus is that Superman is finally wearing a mask like he should have been the whole damn time. I haven't seen these ones. I haven't seen no, these posters. If, uh, yeah, so I, I, I can't comment on those, but I like we, you know I like it when entertainment companies also are socially responsible and trying to send out a good message and stuff like that. So that's always good to hear. Thanks for sharing that with us, Dan. All right, Jordan writes, hey man, how do you think Marvel is going to acclimate Blade and the supernatural creatures into the Marvel universe? Well, they've already kind of started implementing supernatural stuff like with Doctor Strange. They, they try to have an, ex an expression for it. Thor said, what you call magic? You know, we call whatever. I can't remember what it was. They are one of the same. You call some things magic, something science. We call them one of the same. They're trying to do that. But yeah, once you start getting into vampires, it's different. Rob, you know, what do you think Marvel is going to do to kind of implement that whole idea of Blade into the MCU the way they have it now? Well, I mean, <laughs> I've thought a lot about this. After you explain to the population of the world that there's a creature like Thanos who caused the blip in the Marvel Cinematic Universe five, five, five years go by when people were non-existent and then they came back into existence. Once that's happened in the world, people will believe in vampires or werewolves or, you know, day walkers or whatever. I mean, I really do think that now, now the people of the Earth, the people of the MCU, of whatever Earth number they're on, if you were to announce, hey, man, there's a half-human, half-vampire 
who kills vampires and they're alive on Earth today. People would be like, all right, I believe that. Because once you've had Thanos, I think you can introduce the elements of the supernatural. Because remember, if you think about it, most people don't know there's vampires out there. Most people don't know there are werewolves. You know, whenever you see a good vampire movie, it's pretty contained. It's not like we have a vampire plague like in Guillermo del Toro's The Strain, where the whole world goes up in flames to the vampire plague. But vampires are, are close to the vest. So I, we just haven't heard about them yet. So I think they will they will be able to nicely incorporate monsters into the Marvel Cinematic Universe the same way that superheroes were slowly uh, uh, integrated. And until the super soldier serum, there, was no, there wasn't a Captain America in World War I. Suddenly there was a Captain America and the world embraced him. So if you were to announce, hey, Blade's here. I think people will buy into it. It's just, you just say they've been in the shadows. That's, the a, shadows. that's a good explanation. That's a good way to look at it. All right, next up, we've got uh, KC MPH writes, uh, John, you're awesome. Thank you so much, KC. Uh, lots of the latest smart TVs already allow you to download HBO Max as well as the other widely used streaming platforms. In your opinion, does HBO really see an incentive to negotiate with Roku Amazon? Yup. Because 70% studies done show that 70% of people who do cord cutting streaming use either Roku or Amazon Fire. It is massive. And when you look at the launch numbers of, say, Disney Plus and what it launched with compared to what, say, Peacock or HBO Max did, they're fractionally as much because when Disney Plus launched, it was on every platform. Everybody who had the major streaming platforms was able to access it. The launch numbers for HBO Max and Peacock kind of bear out that, yeah, they really do need to be on there. They are very incentivized. And by the way, it'll be good for Roku and Amazon Fire to make a deal as well. Cooler heads will prevail. You will see them make this deal. It just hopefully it doesn't take much longer for them to do it. All right. Next up, Michael Sotelo writes. The only reason why I would mess with the playback speed on Netflix is to hear characters sound drunk, which is what I'm doing with the John Campia show as I'm writing this. Yeah, listen, I use a higher speed playback as well sometimes on some audiobooks because because it's not a drama being played out, right? I can hear I I, can, I just want to hear the narration. If I can understand it fine, great. On YouTube, I still usually don't use the fast forward motion, except unless there's a really long review of a piece of technology or something, then I might play it a little bit fast. But that's different from watching a movie, I think, on something like a Netflix. But I, I, I so I agree with you, Michael. All right. Willow writes, uh, I love season one of The Boys, me too. And I thought it's a very smart show. I actually didn't find it to be as effed up as I thought it was going to be. What did you think was the most outrageous thing they did in the show? If we're who, what thing do I think they did was the most outrageous? Outrageous in season one, you know, most out. I mean, the best scene was obviously the airplane scene. I think it was in episode five. I think is that that's when the airplanes. Obviously, that was the best thing. The most effed up thing, though, I think might have been that actually made it into the show was I believe it was episode one or two, where Butcher takes him to the the Soup's nightclub. And we see a soup who has the ability to shrink down really small and he dives headfirst into a woman's vagina. <laughs> that, that was like one of the craziest things I had seen. But Rob, easily the craziest thing that would have been in the show was the only scene that Amazon made the showrunners take out of the show. Out of all the crazy stuff they did, the Amazon, the network only made the showrunners take out one scene. Do you know the scene I'm talking about, Rob? I don't think so. This is where 
Chris Carr's infamous line, Soup Goop, comes oh. from. It is a scene where Homelander goes to the top of the tallest building in the city. I think it's the Empire State Building he goes on the top of or something. Drops Trow and begins to masturbate over the city yelling, I can do whatever I want. And then when he orgasms, his goop sprays all over the city. Uh, and and that's uh, that's where Chris Carr said, wow, soup goop. Um, that's where that kind of saying came from. That is the only scene that they took out that the network made them take out. That clearly would have been the most effed up thing. But Rob, aside, since that didn't happen, what would you say is the most effed up scene in uh, in The Boys season one? Well, I mean, it, it's funny to me because I... I when I think about like things that are that's obviously offensive and sexual and over the top and I get that but I think the thing that I didn't see coming and even though I've read the comics was when he kills um uh you know her, what's her face um why am I drawing a blank on her name Karate Kid's girlfriend what's what's that the Karate Kid's girlfriend um yes the Karate Kid's girlfriend when he when he uses his heat vision and kills her i literally i i had a, a a real emotional reaction to that you know leaving las vegas i, I just call her what's her name elizabeth shoe elizabeth, elizabeth shoe when when he kills elizabeth shoe <laughs> the way that was done it really got to me because i liked her character i thought that she was going to be an ongoing part of the show they had clearly a relationship the way she managed the soups and the way it was done really shocked me and and it, it wasn't like crass you know the, the, what we're talking about is things that are crass and disgusting and even from the the, the beginning when a uh, a train smashes through our our main character's girlfriend Huey's I mean, that girlfriend, was, yeah. <laughs> that's that's shocking stuff but the the, the death of elizabeth shoe the the leader of vaude or whatever that really was i thought shocking because it packed an emotional wallop and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily it was crass but it was not it just got to me the way it was done and the effect like the way they did her eyes like after she'd been her empty eye sockets and it got to me the way gus fring it got to me when gus fring walked out and turned right, his with the half skull face. yeah yeah man i mean that that because that was re i mean real as far as real can be in the boys that was real to me and i'm like oh my god God, I mean, to me, that says all bets are off. They'll By kill the way, anyone on the show. Elizabeth Shue, 56 years old, and I would still say is in the top 5% of the most beautiful man or woman, one of those beautiful human beings walking the face of the earth. She's 56. And, she, and she, uh, I love Elizabeth Shue. Anyway, let's keep moving here. Uh, let's see. Next up, James Welsh writes. As a guy, I'm not afraid to admit Coyote Ugly is a guilty pleasure of mine. This week, I realized, uh, was the 20th anniversary of its yep. release. What do you think of the film? I know it's not great, but for some reason, it holds a special place in my heart. No, <clears throat> not a great film. Not a great film. But there, there is something about it that you will always remember when you saw it. You know, they really, they, I mean, Rob, this whole movie was marketed on the sexiness of it and all that kind of stuff. And it introduced the world to Piper Parabo, who is just absolutely stunning. And I, I really like her, as a matter of fact, in a lot of different things. But um, it wasn't that great of a movie. But it, you just remember the way the marketing campaign for that movie was stellar. 
it got everybody talking about it and a lot more a lot of people saw it probably more people saw it than it deserved to have see it it was an all right film overall like the stuff with her and her dad was kind of was kind of nice but not a great movie overall what rob what are your memories of it it was no roadhouse john no it was not it was no roadhouse um, you know it was to me it was like i think about movies like that whether it was cocktail I put Coyote Ugly in the same in the same Roadhouse cocktail, Coyote Ugly. You know, they're different movies, but the same kind of milieu. And I really thought that the one thing about Coyote Ugly is the story wasn't that good. You know, it, it wasn't that compelling. It didn't have enough going on in it. And it was too derivative of things that we'd seen before. But, it, you know, it's fine. Um, but I think it 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 needed more. It, I, I, it's so weird to say this, but it needed a better script. That's what it needed. <laughs> yes, it did. All right, let's see here. Uh, Limping Buffalo writes, a few weeks ago, uh, let me make sure I got this right here. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, you mentioned the EGOT, yeah, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. I had never heard of it before, so after learning more about it, I learned that Philip Michael Thomas of Miami Vice fame is responsible for the phrase EGOT and actually wore a necklace with the letters of EGOT on it. Yeah, because Rob, I can't remember how many winners... Of the EGOT, have there been? I I, I want to say six. I care. Mm. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, EGOT is somebody who has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. It is amongst the most rare events ever. And there's somebody who's done it twice. There's I somebody think there's, there's, I got the list, man. I think there's a total okay. of 20. No, 20. that many? I thought it was like six. Yeah, there's 20, there's 20 EGOTs. And, and uh, let's see, here's... I can read them. I've got the, um, let's see. Uh, oh, there's, okay. F- there's uh, Helen Hayes, Rita Moreno, John Gielgud, Audrey Hepburn, Marvin Hamlish. Hang on. Uh, although this might be an old list. So this this is from 2019. Okay. So Richard Rogers, Helen Hayes, Rita Moreno, John Gielgud, Audrey Hepburn, Marvin Hamlish, Jonathan Tunick, uh, Mel Brooks, Mike Nichols, Whoopi Goldberg, Scott Rudin, the producer, Robert Lopez, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, John Legend, and Tim Rice. And one of those guys just finished winning it twice. There's a guy who's literally just finished doubling up. He's got a minimum. He's got at least two Emmys, two Grammys, two Oscars, and two Tonys. I can't remember which guy that was, but it's a composer. Um, who did it, but... Uh, yeah, there's another one now. Now, it says, though the official number of EGOT winners is 12, I guess it would now be 13 because there's a new one. It's worth noting that there are a handful of other famous faces who have also earned four awards, but because at least one of those awards is a special or honorary award only, not a competitive uh, one... Then it doesn't count. <laughs> their inclusion in the official club is questionable. Let's call them SheGots, and that would be Barbara Streisand, Liza Minnelli, James Earl Jones... Alan Menken, Harry Belafonte, Quinty Jones. There we go. All right. So there you go. Thank you for saying that in, Limp Buffalo. All right, next up, Raymond Verada writes, Public service announcement with Mulan coming to Disney Plus at $30. Please do not hold a watch party with family and friends if you don't want to spread COVID-19. If you do want to split the costs of the movie, observe social distancing. Yeah, and that goes without saying. I mean, just do it with family that you already know have tested and screened and are safe and clean. Just be socially responsible. At a $30 price tag, there's going to be a huge 
uh, motivation and temptation to have like 20 or 30 people come over and like five other families with all their kids and everything just so everybody can watch it at once. But but do be careful while you're doing it as well, please. Uh, good, good thing to bring up, Raymond. Marie Seifring writes, hey, John, I've seen reports that Mulan will be released on Disney Plus on September 4th. This was obviously sent in just before the show started um, on Disney Plus on September 4th with a rental fee of $29.99. Uh, it will release the same day in theaters in places where Disney Plus is not available. For now, this is a trial and one movie, not a full-scale change of business practices for the future. Disney properties, your thought. Thanks. Yeah, so again, it's important to point out that one thing that Variety said about this, which was, uh, and I'll just bring this quote up again here quick. Bob Chapek said the following. This was in this was in Variety. He also said that the premiere access window created on Disney Plus for Mulan acts as a fairly large stimulus. Oh, sorry, before that. He also, he, he basically said this. I'll bring, uh, that was the wrong quote. This is the quote. Chapek was quick to emphasize on the call with analysts that the Mulan release on Disney Plus is a one-time event. We're looking at Mulan as a one-off as opposed to saying there's some new business model, uh, business windowing model that we're looking at. Saying, no, 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 this is a one-time thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, to which there's um, um, there's an old, uh, and I'm trying to remember the, the entertainment. There's this, uh, like going back to the 20s, there's like this old saying in entertainment. Oh, I remember it. Bullshit. That was the term I was looking for. Uh, if, if, if Mulan... Minds up getting 21 million people signing up for it at $30 a pop. Oh, Bob Chapek, you can say that this is a one-time thing only. But you and I both know, I, I personally highly doubt it'll get those types of rental numbers. But if it did, Rob, I, I don't think there's any... If in some imaginary world, if this turns out that this thing makes like gets like 30 million people signing up at it for $30 a pop... There's no way this is a one-off, is there? Like, there's no way that this is a one-off. Am I safe in assuming that? Dude, uh, they they already have plans. I mean, it's it's. I am sure that next on the docket is, in fact, Black Widow. I don't and agree. Sure, I don't agree. I think and, it is. And here's why I don't agree. Here's why I don't agree. I don't agree with that for two things. Number one, one of the things that Bob Iger, who is still Bob Chapek's boss, Bob Iger is still the chairman of the board of Disney. One of the things Bob Iger has always said is his absolute, one of his number one pillars of, of leadership and everything is never lie to your customers. Now, that doesn't mean you can't change your mind. That doesn't mean you can ever. But one of his pillars of leadership is never lie to your customers. So uh, while I believe if, if Mulan suddenly gets 25 million signups for it i believe they'll change their plans i i totally believe yeah. they'll change their plans I, I, I don't but i don't they're believe they're they've i don't believe they've already got their roadmap of okay we're doing this in Mulan and we're already planning to do it doing it with with black widow because i i, I don't think they no, would I, bold face no, lie to their shareholders you misunderstand i don't think they're lying to their shareholders but i think it's a, it's they they've gamed it out already they're like if this is pot if this works right now they don't know if it's going to work so they, I, I honestly believe it is a one-off. They don't know. Uh, and they really don't know at all. They're going to have to see. But if it works, they have it ready to go. And then they come, they make the announcement. They're like, okay, look, this worked. And if, if you as our shareholders, obviously we, we, made, we made good on this, we are now going to change our, our plans. And they'll come right out and say that we weren't going to do this, but it worked. Let me ask so you a question. Do it again. Because I, I can't believe we didn't talk about this. Let me ask you this. 
what do you think is the line of okay obviously they get six million people sign up for it that's a fart in the wind it's a disaster if they get 25 million sign up obviously it's a huge win and they're going to just going to change the way they do things where do you think the line is what what number of people signing up what number of households signing up to rent mulan for 30 dollars it's obviously got to be more than five doesn't have to be as high as 25 where do you think that line is between them going okay this is an experiment that didn't work but on the other side of that line is we think this experiment worked where do you think that line is for them i think it's got to be a, a a number i think it's got to be a number and i think the number is somewhere between 500 and 600 million dollars so you're thinking 15 to 20 million people signing up total yes okay. interesting. Something, like, interesting something like that i mean it's got to be it has to be ultimately a number and and uh, you know i just don't know why they don't tie in that money into a, a disney plus subscription you know like you pay the 30 bucks and then you just agree to do six months more i mean at least they can bank on that six month more six months more subscription and maybe entice people but as you pointed out earlier in the show dude what have you got for your Disney Plus? Your 70 bucks has got you Hamilton and it has got you the Mandalorian. Which and hasn't the, been the worth prop, it. And, and, and what about, I mean, Hamilton alone is worth 70 bucks. I mean, if, if for, it really is if you think about going to the play. But if they were able to get Falcon and Winter Soldier out and WandaVision in addition to asking for 30 bucks, I mean, they're, they're, they've got all this programming that's not quite finished that's really going to start to get their subscription base going up and it's too bad they didn't have captain america uh, uh, captain american winter soldier or falcon and winter soldier ready to go if they had that this month coupled with mulan yeah on september well, 4th we're launching mulan but but here's here's the problem though like what do you do what kind of revolt are you going to have amongst your users amongst the people who've already signed up for disney plus if you say okay so y'all got to pay 30 dollars for mulan but if you're not signed up for Disney Plus yet, we're going to give you six months of Disney Plus for free once you sign up for the $30 from Mulan. What are your existing users going to say? It's like, uh... Well, but a lot of them got free free things through their, their phone services. You know, but, you but, what, but the average person like me who's been signed up for my seven bucks a month, you know, what are you going to say to me? It's like, oh, so you're going to punish me for being loyal right away no, and you're no, going to give my buddy six free months and but we're both paying 30 bucks no i think Mulan? you should give no you give people that are already signed up you give them the same deal you know give but, them give but them an then aren't, but then isn't doesn't it then become a zero-sum game it's like well we we're already going to get six months from this person of payments so it doesn't i mean i don't know it's the economics well, of it but here's here's the thing it's it's not really a zero-sum game because this 30 bucks that you're paying is going to theatrical you know, it's not necessary. They want they want subscriptions to be generated from the Disney Plus, but th that thirty bucks is going to their theatrical earnings. So they're just hoping that people stick. That they're, they're hoping this is a this draws people to sign up. Once you've paid your thirty dollars, then you're going to sign up and see how great the platform is or whatever. But this money has to, like you said, it has to alleviate what they're not making theatrically, and then they're hoping it generates more subscriptions, which it will. You know which it will, but but I don't think. I mean, what if what if you get 25, 000, 25 million people to do it, but none of them subscribe? 
you know, Disney Plus doesn't necessarily benefit. Theatrical does. I mean, that that division. But that's the thing. You can't do it without signing up. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, so you have oh, to sign is, up. Oh, that just, so you yeah. have to sign up for a minimum of, of a certain amount of time. I don't know do if they're saying it's a minimum amount, but you you at you at least you can't just rent Mulan. You have to be a subscriber to Disney Plus. So first you have to Got subscribe it. to Disney Plus. I don't know if there's any minimum commitment. I, 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 I'm, I'm assuming there's not a minimum commitment, but but the stages you have to go through are number one, you have to sign up for Disney Plus and then you pay your additional $30 fee to then watch Mulan. And then if I understand it right, and I might not be, as soon as you're finished watching Mulan, you can unsubscribe from Disney Plus if you so choose. But they've already got the one month. But yeah, you got to sign up first. You got to sign up first. So that's going to be interesting. All right, guys, we're falling behind. We got to keep moving here. Uh, Major Tom writes, hey, John, I just read on Variety where Disney here. Yeah, obviously, this came in before the show started. Uh, I just read on Variety where Disney is experimenting with a new VOD model for Mulan. Uh, what, From what I understand, depending on where you live, the movie will skip theaters and go straight to VOD for $29 a pop. Again, it's not Bob. If you believe Bob Chapek, Bob Chapek says this isn't an experiment. This is a one off. We're just is a one time only thing. Sure it is, Bob. Um, but that's what he's saying right now. It's a one-time only thing. And yes, if you are living in an area that does not get Disney Plus somewhere in the world, and as long as your theaters are open, I've already, Rob, I've already had people writing into me saying, John, I live in such and such country. We don't have Disney Plus here and our movie theaters aren't open. Piracy. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, but I don't know what other way there is to get around that. Major Tom went on to write, I'm no legal expert, but if for some reason that Disney bypassed the movie theaters, this smells like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I personally don't think this is a good move for Disney and the repercussions could be devastating and long lasting. No, there's no lawsuit possibilities here. Um, this is something. You know, they have no legal obligation to put these theaters, these movies in theaters. What could be a lawsuit waiting to happen is if they put them in theaters already with the theatrical window agreement that you got to wait three months before you put it out anywhere. And then they just violated that agreement. Then there could theoretically be a lawsuit, depending on whatever. But this never hit screens. They're not obligated to honor a three-month theatrical window because it never did go on the screens. And what's more important here is that Disney did let the theaters know and were in consultation with the theaters weeks ago about this potential move. So so everything's copacetic as far as we can tell right now. All right, Ryan Loner writes, I'm halfway through season two of Dark, and it really is giving me that all-too-rare feeling that even if some things don't make sense right now, I can trust that these writers know what they're doing and... And they are going somewhere good. That's always nice. Rob, I'll tell you what. I still haven't watched episode two. Oh, yeah. Like, you got I, it. I, I watched episode one of Dark. And I wasn't all that impressed. Um, and, but I've had a lot of people tell me that's to be expected. That, yeah, yeah. Right right at the beginning, it's not so great. But I've, I found it difficult to motivate. I decided after watching episode one, I'm going to watch the rest of it. But every time I've had a few spare minutes and I sat down to turn on the TV... I haven't been motivated to go. I, I guess episode one just didn't do it for me. I, but you're saying I really, I really do need to follow through on this. Yes, you do. All right, I got a lot of people telling me that, so I'll try to do. It. I just haven't felt that motivation to do it yet. I'll see if I can get myself motivated to do it. Thanks for that, Ryan. All right, David Crabtree writes regarding Optimus Prime in the new Netflix series. I'm reserving judgment until we see the series play out. I think we may be seeing uh, them set Prime with a character arc that leads him into becoming the great leader we know, which could be very satisfying. See, but here's my problem. I thought about that too, but he's already supposed to be the the alpha transformer right 
Alpha Trion selected him to take the matrix of leadership. He's already supposed to be that guy, not some bumbling idiot who maybe someday will grow into being it. So I, I don't know. Rob, you still haven't had a chance to watch this Transformer series yet, have you? No, but I really do want to. I mean, it looks great, so I can't it's, wait. It's to see definitely it. got upside. It's it's definitely. I enjoyed it. I, I didn't love it, but I did enjoy it. My Optimus Prime thing was one thing. So, David, I hope you're right, man. And keep my fingers crossed and hope that you're right. They need to make some changes with that character as they move forward. Suthius writes, why, why, why? Why put the Asian movie into streaming and not keep it in cinemas? See how they are doing us Asian folks like that? Okay, in all seriousness, this is really disheartening to hear that Mulan won't be on the big screen. Whose decision was this? I mean, I don't think, I don't even think this was Alan Horn's decision. Alan Horn is the High Lord Emperor of all things movie related at Disney. I think this goes even above Alan Horn. I, I think this was probably Chapek's decision. Um, as the functioning CEO with the blessing of Bob Iger. Again, two months ago, Rob, I would have been saying this is idiotic. This is absolutely idiotic. But but the landscape is constantly changing in this pandemic to the point that I can't say that this is the wrong thing to do. I don't I don't think it's the right thing to do, but I can't say it's the wrong thing to do right now. It's We're just going to have to see because, Rob, you know, you and I were just talking about how you know, maybe it needs to get 15 million rentals, could get five. I'll be honest with you right now. I've got no guess what it's going to make. I, if, if September 25th rolls around and we found out they got 3 million people sign up for it, I wouldn't be surprised. If we found out they got 20 million subscribed for it, I, I, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like, that's the thing. I have no idea how this is going to work out. I don't think anybody does because there's no historical blueprint that sets any precedent to tell us how this is going to work. We just don't know. So I'm not going to be surprised either way. Do you, do you have any sort of a guess? Because I don't. I, I, I don't either, dude. I'm, I'm completely stunned by them doing this. And first of all, I, I think they've they've got to promote it. They've got to promote it because right now there's just judging from what I'm seeing on social media in the last 24 hours, there's a lot of people. It's it's now become the butt of a joke. I'm already I'm already a Disney Plus subscriber. Why should I pay thirty dollars? Yeah, and and people don't know. And look at your own panel. Look at your own uh, poll today. Our own poll. It's what eighty percent against eighty something, eighty seven percent against. That's those aren't good numbers. The Pew poll says Disney, you got some work to do. You know, they, they I do. mean, uh, just as a side note, I'll, I'll bring it up here again, Rob, uh, like as I got you on screen here, it's now over 4000 of you guys have voted and it's still staying at that percentage. 87% of you are saying no, this would not motivate you to sign up for Disney Plus, despite the fact that Bob Chapek, who talk about baptism by fire of being the new CEO at Disney in the midst of a pandemic. I wonder, but, if, they, uh, I wonder if you changed the poll for tomorrow and said, what if it was Black Widow? That might change it. That might change it. That could change it. All right, let's move on here. Uh, Next one up comes to us from Wear a Mask writes, what do you think the future of Transformers will be? Will they continue with Bumblebee after the box office disappointment? I don't think it was a disappointment. Uh, Will there be another reboot or is Paramount stupid enough to hand it back to Michael Bay? No, Paramount's not going to hand it back to Michael Bay, and I don't think Michael Bay wants to come back to it anyway. Um, They said there could be upwards of two Transformers movies in production. One following the Bumblebee thing. The Bumblebee thing wasn't disappointing. you got to understand the Transformers IP, the reputation of that franchise had been driven into the ground. Nobody wanted another Transformers movie. 
after that that disaster that was the last night that was the final nail in the coffin the fact um, that bumblebee what's that rob oh no oh, wait till you're finished i have i have new information oh new Disney. information i was gonna say that um with the fact that it was able to make over 300 million and more than break even and actually be profitable despite the fact that it was trying to resuscitate its life i think it did pretty well it deserved to do better because it was a great movie but we'll see it but right now they're saying there's two different movie projects in development let's see what what actually crosses the finish line i think they would be wise to proceed with bumblebee with travis knight because uh, what travis knight as a director did with that movie i thought was incredible rob you got some uh, some breaking information yeah, the so apparently the Mulan the the twenty nine ninety nine price is for continuous access. As so long as you're a Disney Plus subscriber, as long as you're subscribed, yes. and they're they're saying it that it's akin to DLCs and uh, early access DLC in video gaming. So that's that's something different. I mean, I didn't I didn't realize that. I thought it was only for a weekend or something. I didn't realize no, no. you pay. It's just that. You were going to get it in a couple of months anyway, right. but you have premium access. You, you, you Now it's a part of your – if you pay the $30, now it's a part of your uh, Disney Plus package. Of course, a couple of months from now, everybody's going to have it in their pre, in, in their Disney Plus package, except they yes, didn't pay the course. extra $30 for it. But yes, it, it, it's not a – it's not I, – I, I was referring to it as a rental. That was the wrong terminology. Um, yeah, it's just that to get it to be a part of your Disney Plus – you got to pay an additional $30. See, I think, I think you know, couching it in video game terms is smart because then people are like, okay, you, you know, at least younger people, gamers understand that. Uh, gamers, are, if you want to be on the cutting edge of something and you want to know what's going on, you get early access. So that's helpful. But let's, again, see what kind, let's see if they use that verbiage moving forward. Um, yeah. Okay, we keep moving here. Next up, Luke one two three four writes: Which genre did the eight did the eighties do best? Action, horror, or sci fi? And no, you can't count Star Wars because that'll make it too easy. No, you can count Star Wars. A couple of those Star Wars movies came out in the eighties. Rob, I, I, listen, there was there was some great horror in the eighties. There was some iconic sci fi in the eighties. But when I think of the eighties. That was the era of the action flick. Like, what's not when you look b- back at the eighties? What of those three genres was really the genre that stood out the most? There are great examples of all three, but which one would you go with? Well, I got to tell you, I as much as I like my sci-fi and horror, as you know, the eighties consistently delivered action flicks throughout the entire decade. Science fiction, great high science fiction and horror was a little bit more sporadic, but I mean, if you think about like even action comedies, Beverly Hills Cop, you know, Die Hard, Commando. Um, there's so many more. All the canon films like Delta Force and Invasion USA, you know, Chuck Norris, uh, uh, James Glickenhouse movies like The Exterminator and The Soldier and Christopher Walken and McBain. I mean, if you're an action junkie, American Ninja, you know, it depends. You've got low budget, mid budget, big budget. I mean, the 80s really were a, a, a bonanza or a potpourri of action cinema throughout the entire decade. So I'm going to go with action. 
Yeah, I got to agree with this. It's a great question, Luke. All right, next up, David T. writes, Hey, John, with this Mulan deal, I'm thinking that they won't provide it as, a, as, as free to Disney Plus till after they do a standard VOD model with Apple. Yeah, probably in a couple of months. Followed by physical media releases. So I'm thinking three to four months after it premieres as a PVOD add-on. No, I agree completely. I think you'll probably be looking at, they'll recognize the a, a version of the faux theatrical window, and you're probably looking at two to three months but i'll tell you this rob here if boy if you want if you want a way that disney can instantly really piss off people they say premier access to mulan and then like five weeks later say good news rest of everybody else now we're putting it on disney plus for free because everybody who ditched it put down that 30 bucks is gonna go wait a minute wait a minute you never told us all we had to do was wait like 34 yeah. days or 35 days for it we wouldn't have done it That's yeah but didn't you big. like watching it five weeks i mean oh my god can you imagine i, I think it's got to at least be three months it, it should be three months but i guess i didn't see anything in there that defined it as being three months but rob what do you think the reaction from the people who do shell out that 30 bucks if in like four or five weeks they made it available to everybody for free oh i i think it, it it's going to cause a lot of animosity <laughs> I think that, you know, it's it's because this is the thing. If you're giving people early access, the very idea is you have to define what that early access is. Absolutely. You know, that, that's because five weeks isn't enough of, or, uh, you know, I can still see a movie in a theater five weeks after it opened. I mean, if five, if that's not enough. And here's the thing. If it doesn't work, John, if this Mulan experiment does not work and they decide, well, uh, the cat's out of the bag. We have to put it on like Apple iTunes or something. I think that's going to be really problematic. They either have to go all in on this experiment and say, okay, we're going to keep, even though we're doing SVOD, we're keeping the same theatrical window that we would normally if it was out in theaters. So it's going to be at least three months. I hope they so. Have to do, uh, they have to, do I agree. That. They have to, I absolutely agree. They have to, but oh my God, if they don't, Ooh, the pushback is going to be huge. All right, uh, let's see here. Um, oop, I took a little bit of a jump here. Sorry, guys. Every once in a while, this thing will do that, and we'll have a bit of a jump. Uh, let's see, wear a mask. Luke, David. Uh, here we go. Zachary Zavos writes, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, this message is for the teacher about Superman. We've had a few of you guys writing in about this. There's a great documentary that came out around the time of Superman Returns called Look Up uh, in the Sky, The Amazing Story of Superman. It goes into a lot of detail about his creation with many interviews. That is awesome. And by the way, I asked you guys yesterday, if you know some good stuff, put it links in the comment section of the video and a number of you did. So do me a favor, Zach, if, if you've got a link to where, maybe it's not online, but if you've got a link to where somebody can go and find that and purchase it or something would you mind putting that link in the comments below because that sounds like it would be very very helpful uh for that guy who said so thank again it's great when one of our community members comes up and says hey i have a need and we got all you guys in the community coming on board and trying to answer those questions for people that is awesome that's the power community thanks for doing that zach all right james lh writes hey john I know it's been a few days, but I wanted to mention the passing of Alan Parker, uh, director. Yeah, he hasn't directed in the past couple of years. It's been a while. I think the last movie he actually uh, did was the um, uh, David uh, David Gale 
yeah. the one with a uh, with uh, Kevin Spacey. Um, anyway, uh, the passing of Alan Parker. He hasn't directed in the past couple of decades, but Mississippi Burning is still a favorite of mine. He also uh, liked the commitments and recently bought 4K of Angel Heart. And of course, he also did Fame. Um, I, I, he had done a number of of really good films, and Mississippi Burning to me clearly was the crown jewel of his career. Rob, when you look back at uh, at the career of Alan Parker, who passed away a few days ago, uh, what's the movie that stands out to you? Well, one of my favorite movies that he did is a movie called Birdie with Nicolas Cage and Matthew Modine that I right. love that Indicator put out on Blu-ray last year. And, you know, I, I the first movie I ever saw, he did Pink Floyd, The Wall, but Bugsy Malone was a favorite movie of mine when I was a kid. And if you have never seen Bugsy Malone, it's, it's young Jodie Foster and young Scott Baio playing in a gangster world, but the machine guns, because it's got, it's all kids, shoot whipped cream instead of bullets splurge guns they call them and i i was a huge fan of his huge fan of his and uh you know i loved angel heart loved mississippi burning loved the commitments pink floyd the wall he did a vita he directed the cinematic yeah. with yep. madonna he did a lot of great stuff and uh, again to me if, if it, it's it's um Mississippi Burning is one of those must-see movies. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a must-see. You have to watch that film. Anyway, thanks a lot for that, James. All right, James LH also writes, one of three. John, how important is cinema? Rob, I collect, uh, like Rob, I should say, uh, I collect... Uh, physical media, my most recent, a new 4K steelbook of the classic Spartacus. I am Spartacus. So if Cineworld had been showing Spartacus on the day I received the disc, I would still go to the cinema. Like you said, uh, the, uh, the home cinema setups I've seen on YouTube are nothing compared to the cinema. My Cineworld has two large screens, five medium and two small. Even the smallest in the complex is better than any of the home setups that I've seen. That heart attack I had last year, yes, uh, my, my family friend on my mind, but when I was going to the hospital, so I remember how annoyed I was of missing my bookings I had for the re-release of Jaws, which I had never seen on cinema. Uh, important health issues, I know, but that's what what uh, what a love of going to the cinema means to me anyway. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like, not everybody is like this. Not clearly not everybody is like this, but I make no apologies by the fact that I love the movie going experience. It is so superior. Like, I don't I don't care about your home. Your home theater setup sucks. I'm sorry. My home theater setup sucks. Sorry. Compared to a real theater with real sound and, and being there with the nights. You know, there there are movies that you could tell me right now I could watch at home. And I'd be meh. But if a few of my friends are going out and making an evening of it and going to the movies and doing the whole event thing, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll buy a ticket for that. I just... You know, Rob, I've talked about before that every day that I would wake up, this is back when I would go to a lot of, I, I, I don't really bother going to many press screenings anymore, especially not in the last few months, obviously. But, you know, every day that I wake up, that I know I'm going to a movie theater today sometime, whether it's with Anne or whether it's with some friends or whether it's to go to a press screening or whether it's to go to a premiere, whatever, every day that I would wake up knowing that I'm going to the movies that day, that's, that's what my day is. That, make, that makes me wake up with a smile on my face. I'm excited about the day. I can't wait to go to the movies. It's just an experience that you, you know, we've talked about the experiences of like, imagine trying, imagine watching the portal scene from Endgame alone in your living room on your stupid couch for the first time and not I being know. in one of the, I mean, it's just nothing like it. I don't know. How, how would you address that? I would be sad, John. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, I, I mean, I think about my entire life. You know, being a movie fan, and, and I grew up going to these giant theaters and being transported 
away by by film and i'm so used to seeing movies on these big screens and i've lived seattle had great movie theaters growing up and when i moved to la i mean we had so many great movie theaters here and like the west i i I moved to westwood when i first moved here specifically to go to the movie theaters there and one of my favorite theaters the national's gone you know it's this gigantic awesome theater in westwood and it's just not there anymore and i remember you know, going to these theaters like like when before they split the AFCO in half, and they had the screen that the quality was amazing, and it's just I I I can't imagine seeing these big event films for the first time at home. I I want to go to the th- I want to see Tenet in IMAX, dude. <laughs> Why can't I? Well, maybe we can. Maybe we can. We'll have to wait and see. But, Rob, in the meantime, we know you've got to run. You've got uh, Netflix shows to edit and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> we will have you again back here. But in the meantime, Rob, where can people follow you and your adventures online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at BurnettRM. Find me on Instagram at my own name, Robert Meyer Burnett. Or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and my show, Rob Observations. All right, dude. Thanks a lot for being here again. Thanks for talking through all this stuff Great with us. Show, and we man. will, Yeah, and we will talk to you again soon, my friend. All right. Take it easy. All right, guys. We still got about uh, 20 minutes here, so let's get through as many of your questions as we possibly can. Ryan Lohner writes, so far I've liked a grand total of one of the Disney live-action remakes, Aladdin. I loved Aladdin. I thought that was great. Uh, so I mean, not as good as the original Robin Williams animated, but it's fantastic. Um, so I'm definitely sitting this one out until the price is more reasonable. I don't know. The live-action Jungle Book movie, I, I thought was wonderful. What John Favreau did with that Jungle Book movie, I thought was incredible. I also really liked the Christopher Robin one. Uh, the one they did with Hugh McGregor, I really liked that one. And Cinderella with Lily James. Oh, Lily James. With Lily James, directed by Kenneth Branagh. I really, that, there are others I didn't like so much, absolutely. But I, I liked a number of them. So let's see how their track record evolves as they put more out. Uh, Cosman Nikolai writes, Hey, John, a fan from Romania. Thank you for, for writing in from Romania. Eastern Europe, what are your thoughts regarding the fact that Mulan won't be available in the countries that don't have Disney Plus? Didn't reopen the cinemas, and there uh, will not be an option to buy the movie from Amazon piracy much? Yeah, I mean, look, that's an unfortunate reality that a lot of movies have to face that can't get all the territorial rights, can't release in certain places, blah, blah, blah. You're facing the issue of piracy. I remember Disney Plus was facing that issue very much when they were launching with Disney Plus only in certain markets. And so all these other places around the world that didn't yet have Disney Plus were going to have to hear about this Mandalorian show, and it probably became the most pirated television show in history. So what will happen with Mulan? Well, I don't know. I I mean, I, I don't know what Disney is supposed to do, right? They're trying to make it available to people where they don't have Disney Plus. But if the movie theaters aren't open, there's nothing really they can do about that. They're not going to make it available on Amazon because the whole point of them putting it to Disney Plus is for them to try to get people to sign up for Disney Plus. So they're not going to make it available on other markets. This is one of those situations where it just sucks for people who want to see this movie, live in a place where they don't have Disney Plus and in a place where the movie theaters aren't open yet. There's just no way around. I, I don't know how else Disney could do this. If they're going to do it at all, I don't know how else they could do it. So it sucks. Uh, it's really unfortunate for those people who fall into that category, want to see Mulan, don't have Disney Plus because it's not available and their movie theaters aren't open. It, it just sucks. But I really, I, I don't think the option is that Disney should then just not do it. Just because you can't do it everywhere doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. 
but it does mean that there are going to be some people left out, and and that really sucks, man. That's terrible, especially if you're somebody who's excited to see Mulan, like like I am. All right, thanks for writing in, Cosman. All right, next up, Alan writes. Hey, John slash Rob, have you seen uh, Ryan Reynolds's recent tease of his involvement in the Snyder Cut as Green Lantern in response to false rumors of him being Hawkman? You think he is just joking around or could there be any truth to it? Oh, absolutely. He's joking around. He's he's 100 percent joking around Uh, there. You just have to read his tweets to instantly know he was joking. Besides, don't forget, there are no reshoots going on for the Snyder Cut. Like, Snyder confirmed that. There are no reshoots for Snyder Cut. He had already shot all of his material. The idea of the Snyder Cut is to put out the movie that was his initial and original intention for the movie to be. That did not have Ryan Reynolds in it. Uh, There's also some joking around that The Rock is going to be in his Black Adam. That was never part of Snyder's plan. And the whole thing about what the Snyder Cut is, the Snyder Cut is that movie he already shot but was never completed. It was already shot and to be his original vision. So I don't think he's going to, number one, it would violate the whole spirit of what the Snyder Cut's supposed to be by him throwing in new elements. They've already said there's not going to be any more reshoots, and I don't think there's any way Ryan Reynolds would be Green Lantern again. I'm not telling you definitively that it's not going to happen. I just don't believe it is. Like, Ryan Reynolds has been pretty clear. He doesn't want to be Green Lantern again. So none of it. Plus, when you read the tweet, to me, it seems pretty clear he's joking around. But, but, anything's possible. We've seen crazier things. So don't take it to the bank that ain't going to happen. I would just I'm just saying I'd be extremely shocked if it was because of all the facts that we have. So I don't I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anything to that. But that's just me. All right. Next up. Uh, Russell Amador writes, uh, hey, John, breaking news. And this news is bound to get everyone here excited. The psychotic uh, Chi uh, uh, Chihuahua. And dim-witted cat, otherwise known as oh, Chihuahua and dim-witted cat Ren and Stimpy, are sent to make a return. Apparently, this reboot will take place at Comedy Central. Thoughts? I was always a fan. Yeah, I, heard, I read about this earlier today. I was because there's a Ren and Stimpy documentary coming out about about the how they made Ren and Stimpy and the cultural impact it had and all that kind of stuff. I was a big fan back in the day of Ren and Stimpy. Don't push the red button. Um, I was always a big fan of Ren and Stimpy. I don't know that Ren and Stimpy works today. You you guys have heard me talk about Ren and Stimpy over the years. I, I used to love Ren and Stimpy. I don't know that Ren and Stimpy would work today. So let me put it this way. I'm not excited about them revitalizing Ren and Stimpy. I'm curious. I'm curious about it. I'll definitely want to check it out when it comes out because I'm very, very curious. But because I have a lot of doubts that unless they change it a lot, I don't know if it works as well today as it did 20 years ago. Um, so that takes me from from not being excited about it, but I'm at least still curious. So let's see how that all kind of turns out. Thanks for bringing that in, Russell. Patrick writes, I find it strange that Disney has pulled Mulan from the cinemas here in Switzerland as well, despite theaters being open since mid-June. Well, again... If Disney Plus is there, then they their intent is to make this a Disney Plus thing, not a theatrical thing. They will only put it in theaters where Disney Plus is not available. I don't know that that's going to make a big difference or not. <coughs> I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. 
I'm saying I literally don't know if it's going to make a big difference or not. But I mean, yeah, if Disney Plus is in Switzerland, which I personally don't know if it is or not, but I'm assuming Disney Plus is available in Switzerland. If their intent is for it to be a Disney Plus thing now, then they're going to make it. They're going to make it so you need to sign up for Disney Plus and pay that thirty dollars to do it. So that's the business model. So it's it's not about whether or not the theaters are open. It's about whether or not Disney Plus is there. And if Disney Plus is there, that's where they're putting it. So it's not a big surprise there, Patrick. Uh, all right, Dan Ketchum writes. With a $5 billion loss, I understand Disney's, Disney is desperate. But if I already pay for Disney Plus, I'm not paying another 30. I, you're not alone in this, Dan. I'm hearing a lot of people say this today. But if I already pay for Disney Plus, I'm not paying another $30 to watch Mulan on my little 60-inch TV. My surround sound is my dog's barking. Feel sorry for Chapek, though. Talk about batches by fire. I used that exact phrase myself earlier. Bob Chapek, congratulations. You're the new CEO of Disney. Here's a pandemic. How's it going, you know? Uh, yeah, I feel a little bit for, Ch- for Bob Chapek as well with all that. And I think you're, you're finding, Dan, you're not alone. There are a lot of people right now saying, like, hold up. I'm already a Disney subscriber, Disney Plus subscriber. I've been a Disney Plus subscriber for nearly 10 months. I've already given you like $70. If you're putting something on Disney Plus, like Hamilton, I should just get it. I shouldn't have to pay. So I'm paying you for the privilege of paying you more. Is that what we're doing here? I am paying you a monthly subscription fee so I can have the privilege of paying you even more for content that you're putting on the network. Now, I agree with Rob. This is a different kind of situation, but you're not alone, Dan. There's a lot of people grumbling right now about this. So first of all, Disney Plus, you've given us basically nothing other than Mandalorian and Hamilton. You really haven't given us anything new or original since you launched this thing in November, for heaven's sakes. But we keep paying you every month. And now when you do make an announcement that you're bringing a premium piece of content to the platform, you're going to make us pay an additional fee for it. Again, I understand that it's a very unique set of circumstances, but there are many people who don't see it that way. And there are many people who are kind of upset by it, Dan, so you're not alone. All right, Tristan Riera, a Patreon supporter of ours. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter, Tristan. Writes, hey, John. A while ago, you told us about character actors. Uh, now, uh, can you explain what a method actor is? Thanks and enjoy the rest of your day. Best thing to do, Tristan, is just to go online and search, just search Wikipedia for a method actor. But basically, and I'm putting it in oversimplified terms, a method actor is an actor who becomes committed to taking on the full emotional renaissance of who that character is. They want to actually be that character. And for a lot of method actors, while they're shooting movie, they will try to stay in character. They will try to be that person and understand, not just act like that character would act, but think like that character would think, to feel the way that character would would feel, and to basically be that character. Some very notorious method actors are like Jared Leto, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, the greatest actor of all time, is said to be a method actor. So, but the best best thing to do, instead of getting me, a non-actor, trying to explain it properly, the best thing for you to do is just to hop on Google and do a quick search. But I hope I just gave you a semi-accurate Coles notes of it. I hope that helps a little bit. All right, John uh, Klobucker writes, Honestly, I would love to see a comedy sketch featuring Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. You've come up with a brilliant idea, Gio. Oh, listen, if Saturday Night Live could pull that off, if Saturday Night Live could get... Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire to all come and pop in for five minutes to do a Spider-Man sketch, it would break the internet. I mean, that would then get put online and it would totally break the internet. 
I don't think you make a movie out of that. I think that becomes a little bit of a convoluted mess. But like a sketch on Saturday Night Live and then put up as a YouTube video? Are you kidding me? 200 million downloads in the first three days for that. I mean, absolutely. I, I would be so down for that, John. I would be so down for that. All right, Stubble McShave writes, Mulan is directed towards a young audience. Maybe the original animated one. Watching the trailer, I'm not so sure that this is this is clearly targeted at a younger audience. This feels like a four. Like Rob was saying, I, I think it feels a little bit more like a four quadrant movie. It's not as four quadrant as say Black Widow is, but I, I don't know that this is targeted at a younger audience. I think it's friendly to a younger audience if you watch the trailers. But I, I watching those trailers, I don't know that I would say that this movie is targeted at a younger audience. Anyway. Uh, the security measures in the theaters depend, um, where are we again, on people following instructions uh, to decrease the virus transmission. Do you think Disney thought that kids' movies are better for PVOD and that's the, the, uh, the chance for piracy? And also, what's the chance for piracy? The chance for piracy is extremely high. Do I think the virus affecting kids more than adults is what the motivation was? No, not at all. The virus having theaters closed and not being able to know when they're going to be able to open it, and once they do, how many people are going to be able to go, depending on limitations, that was the reason behind it. Had nothing to do with, well, we just want to make sure we don't risk kids. No, that has nothing to do with it. It's the pandemic in general causing the situation that it is. That in general is obviously the main player here, but I don't think it had anything to do with it being targeted at younger audiences. Ergo, we don't want... Nah, I, I don't think that had anything to do with it at all. To be honest with you, I really don't. All right, uh, Mischievous Gremlin writes... <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> Mischievous Gremlin writes... Hey, John, hope your day is going well. It is going well, although my throat's getting sore. Uh, I was wondering if you'd heard about another movie coming to Netflix on September 16th called, uh, the Devil, uh, called The Devil. It's called The Devil, and it has a killer cast. Nope, never heard of it, but I'm not surprised because it's a Netflix film, and Netflix never does a good job promoting their own stuff. Let me just take a quick look for it here. What is, uh, it's called The Devil. Um, it's called The Devil. I'm not finding it anywhere. I'm not finding it anywhere. So no, I'm not familiar with the film. Uh, I've not heard of it, but I we shouldn't be surprised because as a Netflix film, they never do anything to market their stuff, unfortunately. I will keep my eye open for that, though, Mischievous Gremlin. Thanks for throwing that on everybody's radar. All right, an anonymous viewer writes in who sends in a $20 tip. Thank you so much, Anonymous, for supporting the channel on that level, man. Uh, will Tom Holler Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, and Robert pa uh, Pattinson, <laughs> Pattinson uh, just to name a few, um, oh, you're you're probably talking about the devil one. Okay, um, it will star Tom Holland. Talking about it's called the devil. Uh, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, and Robert Pattinson, just to name a few. And it will be a story that will revolve around these characters dealing with the aftermath of World War II in the 1960s. I think the movie sounds interesting. Okay, I think I know the movie you're talking about, and it's not called. Uh, I don't think it's called. It's called the devil. Let me just bring it up here um do 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 all right where are we at the devil all the time that's the name of it the name of it is uh the devil all the time what did you say it was called 
It's called the devil. Okay, no, it's called the devil all the time. Yes, I'm aware of this. Actually, the first number of stills for this movie just came out and got released online, as a matter of fact. So let me bring this. Um, I don't think a trailer has been released for it yet, but they have put out the first couple of stills for the movie have come out. So you've got, uh, and if you've seen it, this is the picture that um, that's been making its way around. It is a drama uh, in the 1960s after World War II in Southern Ohio. Bizarre, compelling, and mentally disturbed people suffer from the war's psychological damage. And again, the cast, uh, Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, uh, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, uh, Mia Wasikowska, um, uh, Jason Clark is also in it. Of course, he's in some of the pictures that were released as well. So yeah, big name cast. I don't know if the movie's going to be any good um or or not i haven't seen anything from it yet i remember we talked about this movie about eight months ago when it was wrapping production uh but i really don't know much about it we'll see how it turns out but it is a very very especially when you add you know jason in there and all that kind of stuff you're adding a pretty good looking cast all right thanks for bringing that to our attention man and yes once again the name of the movie is the devil all the time that's the name of it the devil all the time thank you for bringing that to our attention mischievous all right batman needs a mask rights Greetings and salutations, John. I recently heard you say it would cost uh, $1,000 or so to make an editorial video, but how much for a movie reaction or movie commentary? I enjoy the Star Wars ones that you and the uh, crew did a while back. Well, movie reactions, I, like the commentary videos, yeah, that just takes a lot of time, right? That just takes a lot of time to sit down, record, uh, watching a movie and, and recording it and then making that available. The other problem, though, is is that a movie commentary with one person is boring because then I'm trying to think of stuff to talk about all the way through the movie. So you want to have other people there. But if I'm going to have other people there, then I got to pay other people to be here. Right. I'm I don't believe in getting people to do stuff for free. At least I, I try not to. I, there, there are people who have done stuff for me for free where I've been like, I but I want to pay. And they're like, no, you don't understand. I really want to do this. And I, and I want to do it for free because I want to do it. I'm like, OK, fine. But. Like, other than that, I kind of have a policy. I, I don't let people do stuff for me for free. Uh, I think if you put in work on something, you should be paid for it. Call me crazy. Um, so, I mean, so it's going to cost me money to do it. So, I don't know. And then it takes hours and hours and hours to do it. And then how many people will actually watch it? I don't know. Now, I... We'll probably do another movie commentary at some point, but I, I don't know. It's got to be a big movie, man. It's got to be a big movie for me to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, but we'll see. Anyway, I'll keep my eyes. I'll, I'll, you know, when the right movie comes along, we'll, maybe we'll do something like that. Thanks for the, for asking that, Batman. All right. Jordan Genovese writes, Hey, John, long time no see. Have you heard Shang-Chi has resumed filming here in Australia? Also, what are your thoughts on the DC fandom teaser that was released today? What are you mostly looking forward to in the event? Eh, it was all right. I mean, it was it was a, it was an ad. There's really nothing in it. It was just an ad saying, hey, guys, DC fandom is coming. But that's it. The one thing I thought was interesting. The one thing I thought was interesting was when they showed a quick, quick little glimpse of The Flash, they didn't show Ezra Miller. They showed the TV version of The Flash. Obviously, Ezra Miller right now is still, you know, he's a guy who grabs women by the throat and throws him to the ground. Uh, so there's still that whole thing. So I, I found it interesting that instead of having a clip of Ezra Miller as Flash, they had a clip of Grant Gustin from CW as The Flash. I thought that was it. Otherwise, that honestly, there's nothing to talk about. It, it wasn't anything special. 
It, it, it was, nor nor did it need to be anything special, by the way. I'm looking forward to DC fandom, but it was just a little, hey guys, DC fandom's coming. There's really nothing much to talk about. Also, Shang-Chi, yeah, glad it's up and running again. I've been getting in, the guy who's in Shang-Chi, who also starred in that Canadian comedy called Kim's Corner. Um, I've been getting into that, and... Kim's Convenience, I've been getting so into that show. That show is so freaking hilarious. I cannot believe it, and I'm really getting into it. All right. Uh, Simon Blakemore writes, Hey, John and Rob, who's not here right now, do you think the boys will move because of Tenant uh, and Mulan and Bill and Ted 3 are out on the same day, or do you think Amazon will leave it? Amazon will leave it as it is. It doesn't matter. It's a TV show going on that you can watch at any time. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be any need, reason, at all for them to move the launch of it. If for whatever reason people can't watch it on day one, they'll watch it the next day. Um, so I really, I don't see there being any need to move it. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, Bojax writes, Rob says that Disney should have tried this with Black Widow. Do you think Warner Brothers should try it with Wonder Woman 84 and HBO Max? No, I, I, I really don't. Because like we said earlier before, it's great to say to try it with, Wonder, with uh, Black Widow, but the potential money you're losing out on grows exponentially, right? Like, and I think Rob agreed with me. Yes, you'll get a few more people signing up for it, but the amount of money you're losing out on on the theater is exponentially higher. Where I think Milan's theoretical um, potential limit is like 800, 900, maybe a billion dollars at the box office that you could potentially be missing out on for Black Widow, it's significantly higher. I'm not saying it would make 1.2 billion at the box office, but I'm saying that the theoretical ceiling for a Black Widow movie in theaters, a big MCU movie with a, one of the, you know, kind of with one of the founding Avengers characters, the ceiling on that is like 1.5, 1.6 billion. So yeah, they, the reason they're going with something like with a Mulan instead of a Black Widow is because the amount of money you're missing out on is exponentially more. I think what, I think um, Warner Brothers knows that with Wonder Woman 84 as well. Wonder Woman 84 is a billion dollar plus potential movie at the box office. You're not going to get that money doing a VOD release. You're just not. End, end, of, end of discussion. You're just not. And the higher the potential that that movie can make at the box office in the, a theatrical release, the worse of a situation it is to try that with something like this. So, but listen, things that were impossible two months ago become possible because the, the, the landscape is changing every day. Let's ask that question again in three weeks, a month from now. But I'll tell you what, Mulan comes out and gets like 8 million rentals, 10 million rentals, there's not going to be any more conversations or dialogue about Black Widow or Wonder Woman or anything else going straight to premium VOD. If it gets like 20, 23, it's a different story. So let, let's see what happens in a few weeks. But no, I, I think right now they're just leaving too much money on the table. Maybe they make 400 million in a home release PVOD. They could have maybe made 1.2 billion and a theatrical, you know, so it's, there's a lot of different numbers that have to be taken into consideration that are constantly moving because of the situation. All right, we move on here. Josh writes, hello, John and Rob. What's the probability that studios like Disney are counting on bigger revenue once everyone can go back to the movie theaters? 
uh, quite a bit. Won't it be like putting a steak in front of someone who hasn't eaten in a week? Yes. Yeah, I believe that. Some people think that once the movie theaters open, people are going to be really slow to go back. I say, look at the restaurant industry. As soon as restaurants opened back up, they were all packed. They were all packed. Um, I think once movie theaters open back up with new films, it's not not on day one, but I think within three or four weeks that they're open again with new movies and new content playing, I think you're going to see a lot of people want to get back to a sense of normalcy. Not everybody will. Not everybody should. I'm just saying if you look at stuff like restaurants as any example, those things packed out immediately. And I think you're going to see the same with movie theaters. Once they're open for a few weeks and they have new content playing. Don't know for sure. We'll find out. But that's how I'm kind of thinking it's uh, it's going to happen. All right, guys. Just got time for a couple of more quick ones here. James L.H. writes. By the way, did I miss anybody? I think I missed a lot. I did. We had another skip. My apology, guys. We had another skip. Uh, let me see here. So Batman needs a mask. We got uh, Jordan. We got uh, Simon. We got Bojax. We got. Um, okay, so that was Josh that we just did. Okay, no, we, we I guess we didn't have another big set. Jelly Bean writes, Hey, John and Co., what are some of the craziest movie rumors that you have heard? I'm talking Galactus being a woman in the MCU while also being played by Liam Neeson. We got this covered as insane, uh, but too funny not to read and laugh at. Anyway, thank you. Oh, craziest stuff? I, I don't know. There, listen, there is crazy, ridiculous rumors that come out every day. There are absolute crazy, ridiculous rumors that literally come out every single day. Um, and you just forget how ridiculous they are. And you know, for every one that turns out to be true, there's two or 300 that were absolute BS. One of the craziest ones, and I'm sure if I sat down and thought about it harder, I'd be able to come up with some more. But one of the absolute craziest ones I remember is when one of the first images of Thanos came out and he had like the three scars on the side of the face, you know, those three lines on the side of his face. I remember a few sites ran with this story that they could confirm that those three things was confirmation that Wolverine was going to be in Infinity War or Endgame, whichever one it was, that that was confirmation that they had got sources that confirmed for them that because Thanos had three scars on his face, three lines going to the side of his face, that that was, that was confirmation. We've confirmed. We, we talked to people. Trust us. We talked to people. This is true. It's Wolverine. Wolverine caused that. Thanos got a fight with Wolverine. Wolverine get... It's like, wait a minute, that makes no sense because of a million different reasons. That was one of the wilder ones. That was one of the wilder uh, and dumb ones. And by the way, Henry K uh, sent in just a, a badge super chat. Thank you so much for the support on that, Henry K. I appreciate that, man, very much. Um, so, yeah, anyway, there is that one. Now, listen, there are still a few more questions to come here. We've got uh, Adam K and Gary and 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 Con Champion and others. Listen, uh, we're out of time right now. But on tomorrow's show, which, by the way, the one and the only Erin Cummings will be back in studio with us tomorrow. It'll be good to have her back. On tomorrow's show, we will start off the live questions part with your questions that we didn't have time to get to right now. So apologize that we've run out of time. We've got a two-hour limit here. Uh, but we will get to your questions first once we start the live questions tomorrow. And guys, that will do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. 
Thank you so much for being here as my screen just went black. It has been an honor and a privilege as it is every day to have you guys here. Thanks to all of you for spending time here. Thanks to Robert Meyer Burnett for all of his great insight. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in those live questions because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported the channel while you did it and all of us here, thank you for that. Guys, do the four important things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves. For the love of God, take care of the people around you as well. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks for being here. My name is John Campion, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.